everyone, my name's Jason, and welcome to Cryptid Yikes. So I wanted to do a podcast where I kind of talk about uh, a few stories that I found online. Yeah, there's quite a few podcasts out there that talk about cryptid stuff. Uh, I just kind of wanted to do my own. I really just wanted to talk about stories that I read. Some of the guests on some of these other shows are fantastic. You know, they have some great guests. Um, sometimes that's just really not what I'm looking for, though, when I want to listen to podcast and hear some stories. You just kind of want to hear some stories. Don't necessarily want to listen to a guest and I might not be that interested in their topic. So I really enjoy cryptids. I enjoy, you know, reading articles online, enjoy listening to podcasts. I enjoy watching shows on TV, you know, for what that's worth. Kind of enjoy going out and doing my own hunting. It's not like I actually do any actual hunting. It's kind of like going for drives on back roads, listening to music, which is just something I like to do anyways. Uh, so if no Bigfoot or no dog man crosses the road there, everything's still looking pretty good. Um, enjoy going out for hikes with the dog. Um, you know, if we see something, awesome. Um, if not, I had a really good time hiking with the dog. So I just wanted to do a podcast where I talk about stories uh, that I read online. You know, some of the stories I want to talk about just things that I found kind of interesting. Um, Sometimes some of the stories are just a little bit like out there and I'm not quite sure where exactly it's going, but it was kind of fun to read like a couple of these that I have today. So that's what I want to do here. So I will tell you, some of these stories I have tried to cut down a little bit. Some of them are very, very detailed heavy, which is, you know, one of the reasons I love Monsters Among Us I love Derek Hayes, um, but sometimes some of those reader stories that they submit just get a little bit too detail-oriented. Like, those people have experienced something amazing, and I get it. Like, they want to capture, they want to retell every moment of their experience. Um, you know, sometimes for us listening, it just kind of goes on a little too long, and we kind of stop listening. So just wanted to kind of uh, tell these stories. I have chopped some stuff out. However, as I'm looking at these stories, some of them it looks like I could have chopped a little bit more out of. So uh, we'll see how this goes here. All right, so this is a topic that I'm finding really interesting. Uh, these pale humanoids, the walkers, the pale walkers. Now this story here, what a great way to start my first podcast. This is not the most exciting story ever, but... Just kind of to establish, I guess, the Pale Walker. Uh, I have something else about them a little bit later on. Um, So, yeah. This one happens down in Texas. And it comes from a concerned mother. And she really sets the stage for where they are and what the kid does. But the kid likes to be outside more than he likes to play video games. So, uh, (laughs) sometimes the story is a little bit more about the mother than it is about the son who had the encounter here. So we're going to jump ahead a little bit. Um, so there's three boys, the son of the star and his two friends, and they're out playing in the creek. The son glances up and saw the nude, unusually light grayish skinned back of an extremely thin humanoid. It seemed to be four to five feet tall and moving away from them, slouching, moving in a weird, distinct way and on all fours with really long arms. He directed his friend's attention to it, but it was just a glimpse as it moved away from them. And they didn't hear or see anything else. So, a little while later, two of them are out at the creek. 
got hungry. They're packing up their stuff. And the lady's son, sorry, the story here, locked eyes with this gray-skinned thing that was watching them. It was peeking out from behind a tree, and her son saw it. He said it ducked its head behind the tree. He described it as looking to be four to five feet tall, and he said it looked like it had no mouth. It was small enough that it didn't terrify him, just kind of disturbed him. I guess that's kind of cool. I mean, you could probably see something pretty small that would be disturbing. Uh, So it's not the most exciting encounter of a pale walker. But it's a really interesting story. Uh, I by no means am an expert on pale walkers or anything to do with this field. But from what I kind of understand, this pale walker started um, in a manner where it was like a video game... Um, kind of like they were just getting the word out of a video game, so I think that's that trail cam picture we all kind of know. I think it was all kind of born from there, which is always really weird when you think about these things. When something is born from a fictional source, uh, you know, the, uh, the Slender Man, now the Slender Man encounters, the ones that I've heard, uh, kind of either like take them or leave them. But these pale walker stories, there's a ton of them, and they're kind of chilling. Um, so you really can't discredit it just because it started from there, because there are a lot of sightings of these things, and they're coming from everywhere. So whether or not the pale walker started as just some sort of marketing, um, it's a very interesting story. Right, so I love this next story here. So, this story and the previous story is all from Lon's website at phantomsandmonsters.com. I love Lon. Uh, He gets the best stories. I love his podcast, Arcane Radio. It's fantastic. Lon's one of those podcasts where I love it. I always listen to it, but sometimes some of the guests just really aren't something person I'm interested in or a topic I'm interested in, um, but I love his website, love his Twitter. He's a great follow. Uh, you know, if you go to his website, he has a site up to give him a donation. Uh, that would be fantastic if you support Lon. He is a fantastic person in this field here. So he brings us this story here, and it's a real bizarre encounter with a primate-like reptilian, and then he does get into a... Uh, a few other stories under this same article. I love this guy. This is my favorite person I think I've ever read one of these stories about. Now, unfortunately, the detail, it's just slaughtering to try and read through these details. There are so many details to start up this story. But this guy's saying about seven years ago in Sierra Vista, a little city in Arizona, about 15 minutes from the Mexican border, misfortune had hit hard and I had been homeless for about six months at this point. So he gets into this long, kind of drawn out, going over his schedule and where he is at different times of the day. He says he's kind of doing that uh, to establish that he wasn't asleep, but wasn't dreaming, wasn't tired. You know, I always kind of hate that when people bring that up in those kind of stories. Like, we've all been a little bit tired, but we haven't seen a, a primate lizard creature. Uh, the same thing with, like, drinking, you know. We've all had a couple of beers or a bottle of vodka, and uh, you know, 
we're not seeing Bigfoots. Like, alcohol's not a hallucinogen. So it's always weird when, you know, they say, oh, I wasn't drinking. Or imagination. It's like, yeah, we can all have an imagination to varying degrees, but uh, that doesn't mean that we're seeing shadow figures in the room. Like maybe something catches our eye the wrong way and you see something and you can kind of recreate it, but that has nothing to do with your imagination running wild. Um, anyways... So this guy has two routes, but, and this is where it gets good, this homeless guy has a straight-edge sword back in his burrow that he had bought when he had a good job, a car, and a house. Man, this guy's fantastic. He's like Michonne or Yamaguchi-san. So during the night, I wandered the desert and would often be exploring far enough out that I could no longer even see the lights in town. So... You know, I kind of hate these cheesy expressions and these dumb memes that people just kind of send out in an attempt to be funny, but all they're doing is copying something that someone else had done. So these cheesy phrases like living your best life, I would never use it, but I think this is a perfect example of it. This guy's in rough times. He's homeless and he's roaming the desert with a sword. He's like Jules Inglewood. So, anyways, this awesome, awesome person would wear his sword sheathed on his back, a just-in-case measure. And I really only ever used it to carve up yucca stalks for the roof of my burrow. I mean, this guy, again, he's fantastic. He's made a shelter out in the desert. He goes into town. I think I cut some of this out. He goes back into town, and he's having lunches at churches and homeless shelters. And no one even realizes they, they're sitting next to this guy who's roaming the desert like a lone wolf at night. So they're sitting there eating dinner or lunch next to this man. This dude really is like a walking dead survivor. Okay, so he says setup complete. He's walking along, following the edge of a small wash, twirling a stick I found. Now, sorry... This guy's shown off with a bow staff, and he's armed with a sword. I mean, he is nunchucks and size away from locking horns with Baxter Stockman. So he says he's walked for about an hour to get there. So he was probably a good five or so miles from any human on the planet. I hear thump, thump from up ahead. But there's some scruffy bushes, so I can't see anything. Not wanting to sneak up on something dangerous like a mother javelina or bear... I might have butchered Javinla. I'm not even sorry with that. Sure. Quite what exactly that is. I take my stick and smack the nearest tree a couple of times. This really is. I keep saying Walking Dead, but this is Morgan from Walking Dead uh, entering a building and kind of giving his, uh, his bow staff a tap on the doorway, seeing if any walkers come out. The thumping stops, and about 30 feet ahead of me, I see a head poke up from behind a bush. A head I've seen before? Wait, this guy knows this thing? It had big eyes and tufty bits. I'm not sure what that is. Tufty bits. Tufty bits, he did, he did. And he was basically set up like any other primate face, but it also looked reptilian. So I did what any normal person would do and grabbed my sword handle and yanked it. So that shows you how cool this person is, because... Any one of us, if we're listening to this, I did what any normal person would have done, like run, scream, 
but this guy grabbed his sword handle. Well, it doesn't work like that. I yanked it forward and accidentally broke the strap that kept the sheath on my back. And that is a huge setback for this guy who has a burrow and a sword and now he doesn't have a sheath. So here I am brandishing a sheathed sword at a lizard monkey five miles from nowhere and it stands up to a full height of four feet and bolts itself away from me with this ostrich person gait that was more awkward to watch than it was scary. I went back to my burrow but was always on the lookout for that thing. So his burrow's like five miles out in the desert. Okay, and that's the end of that story there. I mean, that the dude's more impressive than the story. I wish he kind of would have got into a little bit more detail. Like, oh, it looked like a lizard, looked like a primate. But it's got to be pretty crazy. This guy's living in, the, in a burrow in the desert with a sword, patching together the roof, and out jumps a lizard primate. All right, this next one here is just a road crossing, and it looks kind of detailed, heavy from the same article. Um, basically, <laughs> yeah, basically, a uh, woman's driving, the mother of, uh, well, her daughter's in the car, or her son, not really sure. A friend's in the middle, and something dark comes running out across the road, left to right. The headlights illuminated the thing. Mom swerved. It had, the kid has a clear view of the road. Mom pulls over and says, what did you see? What they both saw was roughly three feet tall, walked on two legs, had human Caucasian colored feet that were mostly covered in thick brown fur. It moved quickly, but in a stubby gait. It was almost like a gorilla, gorilla and a hobbit mixed together. I didn't get a clear view of its face, but from its reaction being caught in the headlights, it startled it. So Lon's jumping in here with a note, and he says, most likely a skunk ape. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go against Lon. Um, sounds kind of cool, though, actually. Um, you know, small thing runs across, kind of stumbling around, not exactly screaming, I'm a Bigfoot or I'm a skunk ape, kind of looking like a hobbit. All right. Up next from the same article, uh, this one here. <laughs> I love this one because uh, of the two people involved in the story who did not see it. They're kind of like the background characters. So I was 10 years old and visiting my paternal grandparents, Delaware, near the Pennsylvania line with the rest of my family. They lived deep in the woods, and I always hated it there. It felt like something was watching me. So my brother and I shared a room on the ground floor. Brother sleeps at one end, and I would be at the other. Stinky feet in your face style. On this particular morning, I woke up first. The sun was brilliant, making the room gold through the curtains, and there a silhouette stood against the window. A deer with the biggest rack of antlers I had ever seen. It was right there almost like pressed against the window in profile. I stared in awe. So sometimes the details in these stories don't make sense, but I guess he's saying he's right up against the window, sun shining in, but there are curtains. So he's kind of looking at like a, 
a silhouette, almost like Calabos turning into the creature in Clash of the Titans. All right. He stared in awe, and that's when it changed. In one smooth movement, it reared up on its hind legs, and it was no longer a deer, but a man. There were only two other men in the area, my grandfather and my dad, and it was clearly neither. Grandfather was very built for his age. Dad had a gut. <laughs> so I'm guessing here, it's the dad. It's his father-in-law. And the father-in-law is fit, and the dad has a beer belly. He knows this father-in-law, the grandfather. Every time he walks past the dad, gives him a little tap on the belly there. Probably has some sort of funny Delaware nickname that he calls him. Belittling this pizza and beer drinking dude in front of his daughter slash wife. So anyways, the silhouette was clearly younger, muscular, but not in the like a brick way my grandfather was. And everyone in this family is just loving the grandfather and disappointed in dad. If one of the two had to go on American Ninja Warrior, everyone's going to pick the grandfather and not dad. The deer man wasn't moving his arms the same way as my dad what, like how he's signaling for another chocolate Twinkie? It exuded strength and scared the hell out of me. It stared to the side for a moment and then strode off with purpose. I wonder why this kid, like, he's right there. Like, why wouldn't you get up and, I don't know, move the curtain and see what's out there? Okay. Bigfoot attacks a couple on South Williamsport, Pennsylvania mountain. So this is a story here that I cut stuff out, but I'm looking at this and it's three pages. And I could summarize this in probably three words. So let's jump into this. Alright, so I experienced a strange incident in North Central PA. It will never be forgotten. In the 1970s, some classmates and I are discussing the beauty of Skyline Road near South Williamsport. So I talked to Chip, Lassat, my boyfriend, into driving to the mountain ridge where we could see the valley. So it takes them a while to get up there. They don't see any cars and it's cold out. They parked the car and were truly enjoying things. Uh, it should have been a nice evening, but she gets this urge. Her spider sense starts tingling, and she's saying, make sure the door's locked. She reaches over and locks Chip. What's that door? Chip's like, what's up? She just wants to get these doors locked. She wants to make sure the back's locked, and Chip, what's that? It's just like, yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. So Chip finally leans over the center console and kisses her. Two young people concentrating on each other. Nice. Whatever that means. <laughs> and we initially ignored the slight outside movement of the car. But all of a sudden, you know, another thing I'm not really a fan of is like drinking games. It's kind of like the same thing as when people, and that would be a good band name. I mean, like a drinking game, let's just drink. Like I don't need to roll a six in order to have a sip of my, uh, my vodka there. I'm drinking it anyways. But this all of a sudden is just littered throughout so many of these stories that you come across. 
so I think from now on, I need to like do something whenever I uh, notice it all of a sudden, because I'm sure I'll probably read 30 of these and not even realize I read them. Maybe I'll do a Macho Man Randy Savage impression when I come across it. So something's tugging on this door. A very strong pull on my door. The car starts rocking, and they look out the window. Standing next to my door was a very large humanoid creature. It was pulling at my door handle, and with both of its hairy hands, this creature was so determined and strong, it caused the intensive rocking of the car. At this sight, we screamed together, but they are still concentrating on each other, even in fear. Thank God, somehow, my door remained locked. Chip was that, grabbed his keys, and immediately started the car. As the engine roared, the menacing creature turned away from the car and ran down the mountain. Said Bigfoot Chicken's out here. All right, so this thing disappeared down the mountain, and they're a little confused here. And I'm going to skip like a paragraph. Of course this is not possible, because rational people really don't believe in the existence of Bigfoot. I mean, that's not exactly true. Lots of rational people believe in Bigfoot. Doctors have seen them. Police have seen them. I kind of put them, like, on the rational camp. I mean, I guess you can have an irrational doctor, but still. All right, however, this is my description. No neck, covered with fur everywhere. The body was massive. There was no appearance of clothing. So she wants this Bigfoot wearing some Abercrombie and Fitch there. Now that kind of sounds a little irrational. It also appeared belong beside our car like an avid hunter. Avid hunter. So it has like mounted heads, magazines on the coffee table, and maintained its presence before our initial and horrified recognition. Man, this story is over, but there is still another page. She thinks there was a guardian angel that saved her, and she's saying, yes, we should leave Bigfoot alone. All right. So Lon chimes in, and he talked to his associate, Sean the Forker Forkchop. Just before posting this report, he said he lives nearby, and he and other people in this area have experienced strange activity on that mountain. All right. So this lady's husband today has to hear this story about her and Chip Lissette up on the mountain encountering Bigfoot and her thoughts and beliefs probably once every three or four weeks. Uh, up next, lawn cover Stan Gordon. Stan Gordon is my hero, or one of them. I love Stan Gordon. You know, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Right now, I'm actually recording this, looking out the Monongahela River from downtown Pittsburgh, looking over at Station Square in Mount Washington. And actually had a bit of a UFO encounter, like right in this area in downtown. I saw something descend from the sky and go into the river. Um, and I have some pictures of it, too. So I love Stan Gordon. Huge fan. So let's get into this lawn article on Stan Gordon. So Stan's saying... There's been a surge of UFO sightings from the greater Pittsburgh area, as well as from other locations in the state in recent weeks. He's been receiving an increase in direct reports of strange aerial objects being observed in the sky. 
This wave of UFO reports started in late February and is continuing to be active in recent days. So early March, three white circular lights in a triangular configuration were reported from Cambria County. Objects were there. Poof, gone. There have also been reports of triangular-shaped objects from other locations. All right, cool. <laughs> a daylight observation of a large black rectangular object. Reports of large glowing spherical objects. Bright objects moving straight up into the night sky and disappearing. Sightings of small spheres of light that are close to the ground are continued to be reported. That's actually kind of crazy. Now, I love Stan, like I said. He has this way of bullet-pointing his stories, though. Facts, nothing but the facts. Driving down Route 30, Bigfoot black sunglasses right off my face. What? But sightings of small spheres of light that are close to the ground, that's actually kind of crazy. That would be freaky if you looked outside and saw that, just a glowing sphere kind of moving around on the ground. I mean, sure, if you looked out and saw a dog, man, that would probably be pretty weird, too. Uh, just glowing light, it's odd, creep you out. But like I said, anything like that probably would creep you out. All right, so Stan has someone named Dan investigating a couple cases here. March 2nd, a witness reported seeing three shiny spheres moving from west to east in a straight line. They looked shiny, silver in color, and glowing. They looked equally spaced apart and were moving very fast. The witness watched them as they moved off in the distance. March 8th, a witness observed a large, bright, cigar-shaped object in the morning sky. The sky was generally clear with some fluffy clouds around. The object did not appear to have any wings or tail section. Uh, the object was bright. He had to squint his eyes to view it. March 11th, my birthday, what happened here? A man was in his kitchen during the evening when he began to feel a strange vibration and heard a rumble. So that was like me, except there was pizza and beer in the kitchen, and there was no vibration or rumble sounds. He then realized that the sliding glass door to his deck was vibrating. As he looked out the door, the man noticed a very bright and very pulsating round object just above the trees at the edge of his yard. The light from the object illuminated his backyard as though it was the middle of the day. He stepped on the deck and was in awe of what he saw. At that time, he felt a tingling sensation. His hair stood up on end, and he had chill bumps on his body. I'm more of a goosebumps guy, but I get chill bumps. It's kind of better. I think it's a better explanation or better use of the word in situations like this. There's two different things, like effect and effect. He called to his wife, and he hurried inside to get a camera, but when he returned, it was gone. Why didn't he call his wife? Hey, bring the phone, bring the camera. All right, March 18th in Butler, someone saw yellow-white blinking lights just above some trees. Uh, this guy went to pull over and take a picture, but poof, the object disappeared. And then another report of a UFO in Butler. Uh, large, round, orange sphere. The object was gliding off to the left through the sky. It was about 200 feet off the ground and would alternate in brightness and change from orange to white color. Um, they've been having the same thing in Fayette, but this is... No, it's not the same thing. Observed a brilliant orange luminous object in the treetops that moved up and down and suddenly vanished. 
Soon after, unusual sounds were heard in the woods. All right, and then he says, if you've seen or heard anything unusual in Pennsylvania, please contact me. All right, so everyone, why don't you give Stan a call if you have a legit encounter, 724-838-7768, or you can email him at paufo at comcast.net. I called Stan myself, told him about that UFO that I saw in downtown Pittsburgh that went into the river. So, you know, go ahead and you give Stan a call too and let him know that your encounter was. I actually got to meet him uh, at a book signing. He was Ligonier days in, uh, well, Ligonier. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to say Latrobe. Um, Stan was where he should have been in the parade on a float waving to people. There was a UFO and a green alien on the float with him. Uh, so he was doing a book signing at a bookstore in town. And I was like, cool. I kind of didn't want to be there. And I was like, well, at least I can go see Stan Gordon. So I went to go buy one of his books, meet Stan outside, and I say, hey, I'd like to get a book. And he said, I think they're inside. So I went inside figuring there'd be a huge display. I mean, you have a guy there doing a signing. You have the legend, the living legend, Stan Gordon. They didn't have any of his books there on display. So they're looking around the store. They finally found some on a rack. They had like three or four of them. Um, so I got those, went outside to get Stan to sign them. And, you know, a couple people jumped in line in front of me. You know, a couple locals telling them about the time that a fork fell on the floor. And uh, I don't know. Stan just stood there shaking his head. Finally, I got to meet Stan. He signed my books. One of his classic ways he signs, it, like, keep looking at the sky. And I uh, got to take a picture of myself with him there. So Stan Gordon. Okay, so now another story from Lawn. Cryptid Beast stalks Appalachian family in Southwest Virginia. All right, this is another story here. Uh, it's very, very detailed heavy. So I've chopped some out when I printed this up, but I'm still looking at this, and it's just like, what was I thinking? Like, I could have cut this down to a paragraph. So here we go. Scott County, Virginia, and this is about 20 years ago, and they have no indoor toilet. They had running water, but just couldn't get a proper septic system in there. So the outhouse was up the hill about 30 yards, and they're kind of out there in the middle of nowhere. They have three dogs. The biggest of all was a lab mix named Moo Bear. So um, Boo was very loyal and territorial. Didn't matter what time of day it was, he'd go up to the outhouse with you and wait outside. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about him and welling up in tears. So he's using goosebumps. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of hate this. So he's saying welling up with tears. You know, something bad happens to the dog. Like that always kind of bothers me when something bad happens to the dog in these stories. I'd go nuts if one of these things did something to my dog. So. Normally at night, they just walk up and do their business and go back to sleep. They're up putzing around and looking for acorns in the middle of the night. They had no AC, just windows and fans. But, I mean, using an outhouse here, it's kind of pointless unless you're deucing. I mean, you know, I live in Pittsburgh, PA, outside of, you know, outside of the city. And when I'm having a few drinks and it's just the dog and me, the middle of the night, late at night, two in the morning, I mean, we're just sharing the yard when I take her out. So Boo follows mom's 
while I'm up there. This is really long. My favorite part of this, though, is there's a lot of noise coming from the woods. The dog's got the hair standing, growling. It says, Mom was raised by some serious hillbillies, and she isn't scared of anything. She thought it was a deer, as they'll do that in rut season. So uh, they go back to the house. A few nights later, a friend's staying at the house. This friend grew up poor like us, but he was a good dude. His mom and dad were great. Anyway, it's about 11 or 11.30 on a Friday, and we were playing Killer Instinct on the N64. Ah, Killer Instinct on the N64. That game kind of stunk. I remember it was like that first game that came out after the initial releases, and you were just waiting for a new N64 game, and then that was it, and it was a lame fighter. All right, so they hear a scream, and it really scares him. So they hear it 75 to 100 yards up. Fight or flight kicked in, and they were in a panic. Checked on his mom and brother. Both were fine, but he grabs the brother and grabs a gun. They didn't hear anything for 30 minutes. And again, windows open. They hear the noise coming down from the woods. He said, this wasn't a cat. You'll never hear a big cat. He's had cougars surprise him and never heard a thing. <laughs> All right. Did he fight this cougar off? This was big. It made a lot of racket. We just kept sitting there, ears on alert. Then they'd hear the scream again. It's 25 yards outside the house. Boo's just pacing back and forth. Boo wants to get outside. Uh, but they're not letting him out. So mom finally wakes up and comes in. She's a serious hillbilly, so, you know, she slept through this for, I don't know, however long this has been going on. She sees them holding the guns, and she's like, WTF are you doing? He puts his hands up to his face. She's seen that we were crying. And I put my index finger to my mouth to shush her. So is he trying to hide his face? Was he pointing to the tears? The grunting got louder and louder. Mom said this is what she thought she heard the other night, but didn't think that much of it. The grunting and pounding stopped. Mom decided to send Boo out. Nikki and Bella, oh, where's Bree? Our other dogs didn't move. Boo took off and that was it. We heard one yelp and nothing. We didn't hear anything else that night. See, ugh. if that happened to me, I, I, mean, I, I would just be out in the woods waiting, hiding, not eating, just, you know, in some sort of ghillie suit under leaves, waiting for a juvenile Sasquatch to jump out, grab it, eat it, just to get some sort of revenge there. And why would you send your dog out? I mean, that makes no sense here. Like, what do you want to have happen? You know, maybe your girlfriend's cat that chews on your TV cables. All right, send that out, but not the dog. So Boo was gone, and they're all shook up. Five or six days later, the stepdad goes out to use the outhouse. You know the stepdad's barely even using the house, even when he has to deuce. And laying next to the building was Boo. I swear on my life that this dog was literally torn apart. There were no bite marks. It wasn't a cat. I know it wasn't a bear. They moved out of there a month later, and that place can't keep people in it. So they tried to put a septic system in a place that they were renting.
uh, creepy, unexplained humanoid encounters and sightings. So there's a few of them. They were all collected by Juan. All right, so we're in the Canadian province of Saskatchewan in winter of 2015. It's around Christmas time, so die hard. Doo, doo, doo. My dad was driving, my sister and I, to the small city that we lived near. It was only 6 p.m., but it was already dark. In the back seat, oh, just like that other kid, sister's in the passenger seat. I noticed something in the headlights. Something ran across the road in front of us. It was so fast, my dad didn't have time to break or react, and then it was gone. What the heck? My dad's eyes widened. I couldn't believe what I'd seen. It was almost dog-like, or maybe more like a deer, but certainly wasn't either of those things. It was a dark blur. It looked like a lanky humanoid, but with very long limbs and ran out on four legs. It was about the size of a large dog or small deer, but its front and back legs bent like a human's arms and legs. All I could think of is, what did I just see? All right, so while we all know a roadside crossing would be pretty cool to see, uh, that one really wasn't that exciting to read about, but pretty cool. It's another account of them. All right, so here's another one. It all started last summer. I sleep with my window open, but it has a screen on it. All right, just like the, uh, the N64 kids there. It's 1130. Well, I heard something moving outside in the trees about 50 yards away. I thought it was a coyote or a rabbit, so but I looked out the window and couldn't see anything, so I grabbed the flashlight and aimed it out there. Nothing. Well, that was the case until I aimed the flashlight to the left and up. About maybe nine feet off the ground was this thing. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It was a naked guy or something. It didn't look like a human, though. I really don't know how to explain it. It just looked like a naked homeless guy. But something was off about its face and arms. Its arms were skinny as hell. Well, once it was... Once it could sense the light was shining on it, its eyes reflected green and jumped down and ran off in a field next to my house. I was like, WTF? I'm going to sleep. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah, I was tired, but not that tired that I was imagining what I saw. Again, that's a weird reaction. Monster! Well, time to get to sleep. I didn't kept my flashlight on that thing as it ran away, spotlighting as it scurries off into the neighbor's yard there. All right, so this guy's over in England, and he has a few friends, and they like to hang out in the woods at this place they call The Spot. They set up a tent and have a good time. The Spot does sound like a good time. So it was around 1 a.m., and this guy's tired and decides to walk home. He lives around 10 minutes away. And who is leaving The Spot at 1 a.m.? I'm hanging out there till they force me out at like 3 or 4 in the morning. So I remember I left by myself and started on the path home. Uh, you know, they're in woods. I think he described that. A lot of details. We're, just, we're swimming in details right now. So he gets scared. Spider sense tingling. I guess it would kind of be his walker sense tingling, pale walker sense. Anyway, I started running as fast as I could and could hear what sounded like galloping behind me. I couldn't see it, but I could feel it was getting closer. I managed to get to the clearing, which was about 100 meters near the main road. So I don't know, what is that, like 400 yards? <laughs> and as soon as I got there, I quickly turned around to see what was chasing me. And I remember seeing this tall, pale, bony creature standing still at the top of the clearing. So was it running? Stop too? You guys both stop, lock eyes? 
must have been eight feet and had these massive eyes that reflected the light. I never told anyone what I saw because I knew no one would believe me. So this guy outran something that was two feet taller than him. Like, I enjoyed Jurassic World movie as much as the next person. And, uh, you know, I like to consider myself the hero. But when I'm watching them outrun raptors and T-Rex, I'm like, I could never do that. This guy's doing it. He's outrunning a human raptor. All right, but a few years later, they went, oh, that's right. That beginning there, I, th- I thought I was kind of just reading it because of the spot. The spot sounds like a cool place, but it actually gets kind of cool here. So they're talking about it, him and a buddy, a few years later, and they go back out there. So, you know, it's just like a lot of dead woods, I guess kind of a creepy vibe. And they start to walk through what he's describing as a tunnel, um, like a tunnel of trees. I just So I guess it's kind of like the way they were almost like, Planted took you to a, uh, a tunnel area, and then it was uh, like a, a circular shape of trees with one tree in the center of it. And as they're leaving, a face appeared through the ve- vegetation and was staring at them. So, yes, you know, not a ton of details here, but the face kind of pokes through some trees and brush and this tree tunnel that they're walking in they both got a good look at it and saw a long sunken face with large jet black eyes and slits for a nose we bolted out of there that's pretty creepy there walking through you know i'm picturing this some trees kind of making a tunnel not a whole lot of way to kind of walk between those trees come out to like a little clearing but it's kind of circled off and as you're leaving this thing pokes its head through and, you know, they end this with that, to this day, we haven't talked about it, which I never get. I mean, this dude's got no better stories, but they're never talking about that. Although, actually, he probably does have some pretty good tales from these spots. So, I guess maybe that story's pretty lame for them. Okay, so I got like an hour to record here on the app that I'm using. And I still have a bunch of things here. There was a story uh, It was kind of uh, kind of weirdly written, but uh, I'm going to skip it. i got to make sure I get to this next one. So I love that dude from that like earlier story out in the desert, the Mr. Michonne guy. But this is a tale here where it's called The Men in Black Visit a Family After Reporting UFOs. But this story is about the mom of the family here. She is, she's amazing. Uh, sorry for that, uh, that Rick from Rick and Morty there in the center. <laughs> it's like the fifth one. I've always been pretty skeptical of things, but I do believe the men in black, if you will, are real in the way that they have been depicted. When I was a kid, we lived on a country farm in the Midwest, very secluded, and we had been seeing lights in the sky for a long time. But one night in particular, they were so active that they finally started to worry my parents. My mom called the nearest Air Force base, one of the largest and most well-known in the country. She told them what was going on and that there were literally hundreds of crafts swarming in the sky. So who's answering the phone at nighttime at an Air Force base 
and just taking requests like it's a radio station in the 80s. They immediately send a fleet of freaking fighter jets, that was their word, I wasn't trying to emphasize fighter jets, to the airspace around our house. Wait, so this lady calls in, and she does get a request. She wants some fighter jets up there, and they send them. Who did she get through? Who's answering these phones that they scrambled fighter jets this fast? As soon as they arrived, all the craft cloaked or whatever to where, my, to where we could barely see them. The jets turned around and left in a hurry. I could just picture the mom, like, here they come. She's on the ground, like, waving, pointing, over there, they're over there. So his mom calls back to the base asking why they left. Oh, she's like a lady that called the cops and some kids looking out the window. Why aren't they arresting them? So the Air Force is answering her. They're like, oh, hey, how's it going? Uh, they told her as soon as they got there, all their equipment malfunctioned and they lost total communications. I mean, what Air Force base is giving this kind of information out? Hi, yes, I'm the lady who called about all the UFOs. Why didn't you shoot them out of the sky after they cloaked? I mean, what, is this like the Alabama Volunteer Air Force that she's calling here? Uh, they assured me that they'd send people back to investigate. All right, uh, I'm sorry, the driver couldn't find your place, but we're sending a different driver back out with a brand new pizza. They sent choppers after that. They patrolled the skies all night and morning, but found nothing more than what they told us about. This lady's the real Beverly Goldberg. Uh, that next evening, though, four men in black came to our house. Mom lets them in, and she's not scared, and she uh, let them in and talked to them all. They immediately asked to speak to her alone, and she sent us to our rooms. I mean, she's not scared of them because she could have the Marines there in a few minutes if she needed them. They were all in black wearing sunglasses, even though it was later in the evening and dark, which I thought was weird. They were all pale as well and had the same exact skin tone. It looked like their heads were bald under the hats. I didn't see any hair. They all looked identical from what I could tell. So my mom went over what happened a few times, and they were persistent about asking if she was forgetting anything. She asked a couple of times if there had been any abnormal occurrences leading up to the night in question. I think, I'm sorry, I think that was the MIBs that asked that, even if they had seen unrelated. My mom, knowing that quite a lot of odd things go on in the wilderness surrounding our farm, just played dumb because something in her gut told her not to drag this out or let them know too much. What's odd that's going on in these woods? I mean, this, that sounds kind of interesting. She probably has a Navy fleet on call out in a back creek, too, so she's pretty safe. So they told her not to mention anything from the past 48 hours. They assured her it's harmless, but don't cause a panic. So they got a, f a call a few days later from someone at the base saying they weren't sure what caused the events that night, but said it was probably just an anomalous weather pattern or something. It wasn't the weather. It was much more akin to an invasion. I guess an invasion, but that's just kind of like the first step where they cloaked out when the Air Force showed up. A little scared of our boys there. Okay. 
So I still have a little bit of time left on this app here. Uh, boy, I kind of wanted to talk about this, but I'm going to skip this because uh, there was a story about black-eyed kids, which, you know, there's what seems like thousands of these stories now, but first they were kind of creepy, kind of interesting. You know, that's something that you don't need to go out. You don't need to have a road crossing sighting. You don't need to be out in the woods squatching. Um, they just show up at your door. You don't need to have a haunted house. You know, they got stuff that happens. The black-eyed kids just show up. All right, so this is three separate stories, once again, all from Lawn. So it's 11.30 at night in the middle of June 2020, and I'm at my house alone with my dog in Virginia Beach. I was reading about the Black Eyed Kids and was pretty shook already. Uh-oh, I've heard rumors that if you know about them, they come and visit you. All right, so everyone's getting some becks at their door tonight. I was sitting on my living room couch when I hear two knocks on the front door. My dog immediately hopped up on the couch with me and started trembling. I got startled and hesitantly walked to the front door. My door has two slim windows on each side of it, so I looked out through the right window and saw two kids. One looked really small, like he was five, and the other kid looked at least nine. They were both wearing winter clothes. Keep in mind that it's the middle of June. I tried to look at their faces, but my porch light wasn't working for some reason. They were just staring at the door. I was staring at them for 20 seconds when they both looked through the window of the door. That would be pretty creepy. They both just do that slow turn with their heads, get their black eyes right in those little windows there. I could see that they had black eyes from the ambient light from the window. I run back to my couch to try and be as quiet as I can. I hope they didn't see me and don't make any noise. I hear two knocks again. Sir, let us in. Me and my brother are very hungry and tired. I just try about screamed because I have no idea how they know I'm a man. I, they looked in the window. They saw you. What? I waited 10 seconds, then I hear, let us in. We have to call our mom. I wait a minute, then I hear pounding on my window, and one of the kids says, let us in, in a demanding manner. It's been about two minutes, and I think they are gone until I hear my backyard gate sling open. This is creepy. I then hear pounding on my backsliding door. I run upstairs and lock myself in my bedroom with my dog. They keep pounding for at least a half hour. The pounding stopped, and I put my headphones on and tried to sleep through it. When they can't come back, so they, when they come back, like you're just thinking that happens in the future, I never saw them since. So again, I don't know that I'm putting the headphones on and trying to get asleep. Like, although they do seem to play by the vampire, you have to let us in rules. I'm going to be up and I'm going to be on edge. Like, who goes to sleep after they hear all this stuff? And you'd have to wonder how many poor kids have actually needed help. It's people who know these stories just aren't letting them in. I'm certainly not, but... All right. This story was told to me by my mother. It was the middle of a snowstorm in Colorado, and there was a knock at the front door. The women living at the house answered the door. There was the woman. I know there's a dude in the story, so it must be... They must have meant woman. The woman... And so this doesn't happen to the mother, because... I know the ending of this, and that would be her father. All right, so this is like a fourth-hand account story. So the woman's at the house, and two boys are looking down at their feet. She asked them if they had been in an accident because she figured the only reason someone would be banging on her door in the middle of the night in the blizzard 
um, was if it was an emergency. They said yes, and that their parents would be there soon. She let them in. She sat them down in the living room and asked if they wanted cocoa or something. Aw, how nice to give the Beck some cocoa. But they wouldn't talk to her anymore. They just sat there in silence. She noticed one of them had black eyes. Now she was on edge. Her husband came out of the living room. What's going on here? They all sat around, not talking. She asked them if there was someone she could call for them. Then one of them said, our parents have arrived. And I think there was a car parked outside that had just shown up and they just left. The lady and her husband both got really sick that day. And I think they originally thought they both had food poisoning, but the husband ended up dying not long later. He had a cancerous tumor that suddenly grew. And then there's no further information. So that's what happens when you let the, the Becks in there. Um, I, you know, uh, Mysterious Universe, I think I heard a story on that years ago, probably five years ago at this point, if not longer, when this whole thing kind of started. And uh, some lady, like, let them in her house. Like, they came around the backyard. And I think I remember in that story, like, the husband died shortly after, too, and they got sick. So, you know, I guess the thing back in the day used to do that you could do was, you know, take someone on a cruise ship with you, and then you give them the old push-ski, off-ski, and you're out in the middle of the ocean there, but I guess now the new thing to do is uh, let the black-eyed kids in if you're just sick of hearing that same story over and over again, or you're tired of the toilet seat being up. Let the Becks in. Uh, this next story, it's actually pretty boring. They just kind of, they live in an apartment building and there's a door across from them and something's knocking at the door and by the time they look out the people, uh, there's nothing there. And then, uh, I don't know, someone said they saw a black-eyed kid. All right. I'm going to try and get one more in here since that was kind of a weird ending. So, Bizarre Night, Creepy Little Girl, Unknown Madman, and COVID-19. So, uh... I-27F was at home on a Thursday night, February 4th, 2021 to be exact. Oh, so this is recent. I live with my boyfriend, 28M. So I guess it's, you know, 27-year-old female, 28-year-old male. But he was at work until late at night. Uh, he's a bartender, so he doesn't get home until 4 in the morning. It was around 10 p.m. at night. I had already eaten dinner and was watching a movie in the spare room of our apartment when I heard a knock at the door. I have a friend who comes over unannounced fairly regularly and even has his own house key. Uh, he has his own house key. So he knows that 28M is working until 4 a.m., so he's heading over. Nice. But the door was double locked, so I got up without thinking and unlocked and opened the door. I was confused when instead of this dude, there was a girl standing there. She was maybe eight or nine. Uh, hi, I said, mumbling something in return that I couldn't quite hear. What was that? I need to call my mom. Your mom isn't here? Uh, my dad. I need to call my dad. So, so this lady's a little dazed, but the strangest part was her heart was absolutely racing. So she gives her the phone, and the girl starts to speak in another language. Uh, not sure which, maybe Spanish, but I don't recognize any of the words. She spoke for maybe 30 seconds and then hung up and was just standing there. Uh, was that him? I asked. She just looked at me confused. So she handed a stranger her cell phone I, I don't know I would never do that even if it's a kid like I mean if someone hands you their cell phone like just run like it's fantastic and then like what are you going to do like if they're catching up to you just throw it like a frisbee they're not going to 
grab you, they're going to run for the phone. All right. At this point, she's freaking me out to the point where I just wanted to avoid looking at her face. Oh, so she lets her into the house, I guess. Um, I wanted to avoid looking at her face, so I walk over to my cat, who was half hiding behind a chair, and tried to distract myself. The girl dialed a different number, spoke in the same foreign language for maybe 15 seconds, and hung up. Then she shoved the phone back in my hand, shouted thanks, and ran out the front door. I was just standing there, confused and uneasy. So she locks up and looked through the peep. I turned away from the door and there was another knock. Look through the peephole and it's a dude in his late 40s. I guess this isn't the dude, but this is another dude. Uh, in one of the work outfits for the building maintenance team of the department or apartment. Oddly, I didn't recognize him, even though I've lived here for three years. So uh, I talk to them regularly because their office and storage shed is right at my front stairs where I park my van van what 27f has a van unless her last boyfriend was in a band so she got it to drive for them i also found it kind of strange that anyone from the team was still here this late like an idiot i opened the door again hello hi was there a little girl here a moment ago uh yeah she asked to use my phone and then she just ran off fortunately not with your phone lady uh find my phone it's right there but apparently in another dimension she is here. At that, I was confused. Where is she? I asked, and he looked at me. I was crazy and just looked at me like I was crazy and just pointed at the ground next to him. She is standing right here, he said sternly. Um, oh, yeah, right, I said, as, and just shook his head, saying, she should not have done that. She will not be doing that again. I meekly said it wasn't that big of a deal, and he cut me off and raised his voice slightly and just repeated, she should not have done that. Understand? At this point, I'm pretty sure this dude is about to murder me over an invisible girl standing next to him. So I just say, yeah, I understand, of course. Uh, we apologize. Enjoy your evening. The guy says that. The guy's like, apologize. Enjoy your evening. And he walked away. So she called her boyfriend and told him the story, uh, which you know must have been fantastic for him as he's bartending. Um, the boyfriend comes home, and they stay up drinking. And then they both got covid all right. I'm sure that COVID was unrelated, but uh, they both got COVID. All right. Well, the app I'm using to record this only records for an hour, and I'm right at that. So if you're still listening, hopefully you are, I hope you enjoyed that, um, and I will be putting another one up soon. So thank you very much for listening to Cryptid Yikes. I'm Jason, and I'll talk to you later.